now the Trail Talk Podcast. Anything and everything snowmobiling by UpstateSnow.com with Rich Lupia and Zachary Lupia. It's Trail Talk Podcast time here on UpstateSnow.com and this is a very special podcast because we have several people on at the same time. High technology here in 2020, we are able to simulcast in not only Chris Rank from the Southern Tug Hill Snow Riders, but Kyle and Rocco from KDK in Rome. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having us. This is going to be like a Zoom call where we're talking over each other. I don't have the mute button. So, Rich, I met these guys uh, a couple years ago. Uh, KDK was gracious enough to come up to a Southern Tug Hill Snow Riders uh, fundraiser. We had an annual golf outing, and Kyle and uh, the KDK crew kind of came up and graced us with their presence. We had a great day together, um, hit it off with them, and since then they've been one of our uh, biggest contributors and supporters. Enough about them and their sport, commitment to kind of snowbill clubs around Oneida and Lewis County. Um, and I'd love to hear from Kyle and Rocco in regards to kind of just, you know, a little bit of intro on themselves and then the, the history of KDK and kind of what made, I believe, their father start the business and get into kind of the sport. Yeah, so KDK started. It was my father, Frank. I'm sure everyone who sees him knows he's a, he's a bag of delight. Um, but he started it back in 96, so we, we've been going pretty strong since then on our second location. Um, a lot of people don't know KDK was named after me and my great sisters, Kelly and Danielle. That's what the uh, KDK stands for. We are pretty much a family, oh, family established business here. Um, just got to figure out how to add that R in the name for, for Rocco. But um, no, it's OK. Listen, I'm not mad about it. Now, you got to remember, too, now, your father, he 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 loved the sport. That's why he started the business. That's that's all he wanted to do. He enjoyed riding. He wanted to create this whole business here based off his passion because um, he loved to ride. And now poor Frank, he, he don't get to ride anymore. <laughs> you don't, you know, a lot of people don't realize that, you know, you, you can love something so much, but then you kind of give it up when you take care of everyone else, you know, and that's what this business has been since, since I came on board 10 years ago, you help, you help your left, you help your right. And then, uh, you, you just try to make sure everyone out there is enjoying the sport as much as you did, you know? Absolutely. But, and then you kind of put in what you can, where you can. Then you add your, your extra little touch to it. For, for sure. So, I mean, Rocco, that's probably a perfect segue. And Rich, I think you can uh, kind, of, kind of chime in on this. It's always interesting to see what snowmobiling means to our families in regards to uh, all of us use snowmobiling in some way to uh, – Spend time with families, you know, connect with families, use it as an outlet or an excuse to get together with family on the weekends or whenever it is. So, um, obviously, I mean, the name of the dealership in Rome there is based off of the children's name. So, talk a little bit more about kind of how it keeps your family together and, and, and everything about that. Yeah, so we have, whether we're going trail riding up north, everything usually stems from from Rocco and my sister's house. I mean, usually what we'll do is we'll do a Sunday, which is, this is what makes it great. We'll start off there, maybe with a breakfast, get the kids involved, let them get some hot laps on the mini Z's with the big ones there. Then usually we, we take off and we head north and 
get on the the good trails up there that southern tug provides and all the surrounding clubs um and then we always we always have our couple beers meet new people try and promote the dealership get some new faces to stop down um but then we always make sure we end it we end it right back at kelly and rocco's and we get a family dinner in and again let the let the kids explode and lose some of their energy because god knows what they did to the girls while we were gone so (laughs) (laughs) the range there so yeah Rocco, do you live right on the trails down there? I, I I did up until recently in August. We just relocated. Um, I'm in a little bit different neck of the woods over on the Lee Center area, but I'm not exactly as as close to the trails as I used to be. So I, I still have to do a little more, I guess, politicking with my neighbors and finding out who owns what to try to find a trail system. But we'll get there. It's It's a little early yet, but... We'll figure it out. Gotcha. And, and Rich, you and Zach, right? Keep your, it's a it's a big family thing for you and him. Get to spend some great time. There. Oh yeah, absolutely. And uh, this is a story that uh, I I believe I told in the history of Upstate Snow video. But there is one very important part of the story that has KDK involved and written all over it. And I've talked to him before, and I know you guys know who Lee Hinkleman is. And he was the one that bought two brand-new 2005 Skidoos. Uh, he had, uh, Lee had the 600 Renegade, and his wife had the uh, 600, uh, both MXZs, and had custom skins for them and did everything through you. And you guys took care of the sled impeccably for over a decade and those were his babies and when we returned from nevada to upstate new york in 2009 and i went up to lee's camp the sled was his wife's uh, 600 mxz and the first picture of zach ever on a snowmobile at five years old was on that sled so Mm. fast forward to the beginning of 2018 when Lee put up the sleds and the trailer that he bought back then for sale. He had had it for a dozen years, but everything was taken care of perfectly, meticulously, thanks to you guys at KDK. And so I knew that it was a stupendous deal when he offered it. And I was shocked that it was still available because it had been sitting out there and he got a couple lowball offers. And it was just one of those things that was meant to be. And we did it as friends, verbal agreement handshake deal when we saw each other and Zach rode for the last three years the sled that he first sat on which was the sleds that you guys sold uh, to Lee Hinkleman and his wife back in 2005 at KDK so that's our story that most people probably wouldn't know but now know and it's even more uh, important to us that as father and son we are you know basically have indirectly had a relationship with uh, a family-run father, son, and daughter uh, business all these years. So I just wanted you guys to know that, and we never had an issue with the sleds at all. They ran perfectly, and we are so thankful for what you guys have done, not just for us, but for the whole Somerville community. That's awesome. What a story! That's pretty. Yeah, yeah, that is crazy how it all plans out, how it works out, huh? Yeah. but it's it's no just saying how it works out usually we we obviously try to take care of our customers especially if they buy two sleds from us but one sled two sleds three sleds um 
we always try and take care of them, especially when they come back. And uh, loyalty is a lot means a lot to our business. Um, it's crazy nowadays. People will drive uh, two, three hours, fifty dollars, and it just it boggles your mind. So loyalty, definitely, we definitely try and take care of them. I mean, we do try and take care of everyone, but return customers is uh, it's well, big to Frank at the dealership. Also, nice to see that you know, 2005, we we earned two customers with those two sleds, and then some time later, those exact same two sleds, we earned two more. You know, that's it's just it's just kind of neat how that closes like that. Kyle, I know that you uh, pretty much grew up on sleds, uh, did a little stint in the racing circuit and whatnot. Rocco, I'm not so sure, but would love to kind of go around the circle and hear everybody's, uh, you know, most fond or favorite childhood uh, sledding memory. Uh, you know, good or bad, it could be something crazy like your, your toes are freezing off or, or whatever. <laughs> but everybody has one story that they either, you know, talk about all the time when you're sitting around with the buddies or or you reminisce about when you're driving up, you know, up north or whatever. So love to Oh, yeah. Start with Kyle and hear what it is. So I got I got a good one. We were uh, me and my sister Kelly. We were we were super young. We're only fourteen months apart. We had to have been man right before we started uh, really getting into racing. We went up to see good old Joe from uh, Cedar Pines. I'm sure sure a lot of people know of him or have heard his mouth before. But uh, good old Joe. He uh, we brought up two elites, the ones you sit in side by side. Um, one was a new one. One was a '79 old one. So, of course, Joe wanted to take the new one. Me and Kelly jumped in the old one. He grabs the way out of the bar to go with him. We left Cedar Pines. No longer did we get across the road. We saw no taillight. Joe was gone. We kind of figured we'd uh, maybe find our way or, or he'd wait for us. So I'll never forget it. We we had a boo-boo. We broke. Rocco wasn't Rocco then. So we kind of looked at each other like, man, what the hell are we going to do here? So. We kind of sat there and half hour went by, no Joe, no lights, nobody else. So we kind of said, so this is it. We got to start walking. And Kelly insisted we can't leave the sled. So me being the worry Roy, I, I got all panicky and, and whatnot. So there we are, no cell phones, young as can be. We started making our way down the trail. We were, it had to have been an hour and 15, an hour and a half. And finally, here comes Joe back by and uh, ended up scooping us up. But just the the, t- the things me and her said to each other, the the panic that came and everything, it's just one of those things. You, I guess it's a bad memory, but you'll never forget as a as a kid. So, yeah. How about you, Rock? Dude, I can honestly say I have no cool stories as a kid. I mean, I I really wasn't much of a rider back then. I mean, my first snowmobile I think was like a 1972 Scorpion, and uh, every time I took it out for a ride, I always blew a piston. But I was determined. I mean, I rebuilt that motor about 27 times. Kept her going, but I never lost uh, sight of wanting to be a rider, you know. And it wasn't until I got out of the military um, that I met Kyle and the family. I was probably back in 2007, I'd say, and I bought my first brand new Skidoo. I mean, that was the first new sled I've ever owned, and uh, you know that's where things really kind of started to take shape with my interest with, with the sport. Um, I can just think back then just the first time getting up on Tug Hill and being out in like the winter wonderland, it was, it was like surreal, you know, snow covered pine trees. It was like a, and riding in a, in a real winter wonderland. I mean, that's, that's the kind of enthusiast I am. It's, it's not to the bar rider. It's not, you know, top speed. I'm just, I'm more of a sightseer. You know, I like the, I like to enjoy the environment and its natural settings and, 
that's why I like getting out to ride. That's awesome. I love it. I uh, I can tell you that my my favorite memory I have is uh, my father or my family's first trip to Tug Hill. So my father went out on a whim, and I don't know why or how he did it, but he bought a '95 and a '92 Yamaha Venture. Metal skis, no, no travel, no nothing. This is probably sounds bad. Yeah, 98, 99 time frame, and uh, there we had a, you know there was a ton of snow, and this was kind of before the www dot time frame i was definitely young elementary school age so you know didn't really have the ability to look at all the webcams and stuff but i remember my father being on the phone with the lewis county chamber of commerce and it was probably like december 30th or maybe even it was might have even been near his uh eve day and he found us everything the snow was so good there was no no nothing but this lady said she had a little uh like her house that she was willing to rent so we drive up there to lowville couldn't even tell you where it was we pull in Five five o'clock at night, colder than hell, and uh, you know my dad sets up camp. We had to use the fire to light, the, you know, keep the place warm. It was cold. I remember beer cans and soda cans popping in the truck overnight. But the next morning we woke up and there had to be three, four feet of fresh snow. I mean, obviously I was young, but it was a lot of fresh snow. And the lady told us, "Oh, the trail is right over across that meadow." Mm-hmm. So as you can imagine. Uh, probably an eight-year-old and a six-year-old on the back of my parents who didn't have much riding experience going across the meadow. We were stuck in about four and a half seconds. My, <laughs> my dad, my, fa- my father dug us out. We got up and over the knoll. We ended up hitting like a local trail, I'll call it now. Um, and we probably banged our way around for about two miles, ended up at a pub. Couldn't tell you which one it was. Wish I knew. Um, we went inside. We had a cup of hot chocolate. I think my parents ordered some wings or something. And we went back to the truck, loaded up, and my dad was like, this wasn't what I thought. This, this wasn't – it just didn't pan out. didn't meet his expectations or nothing. But I will tell you, we were driving down Route 26, and we came across Carpenter Road, and there had to have been a parade about 25 or 30 sleds coming down the road on New Year's Day. And I begged my dad to turn around so badly to go see what was going on. And we probably hit about West Lydon now, which is ironic. And he turned around, and he went back to find those snowmobiles. We ended up dropping at the parking lot just below uh, the Timberview restaurant in a nine degree turn there, unloaded. We honestly rode up the road until where the road turns into the trail. And there were sleds all over the place, up and down the hill at Timberview. They were jumping off snow banks. They were doing all kinds of stuff. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. And my father, he was like, we found it. We found what Hugsville <laughs> is. We found what snowmobiling was. So it kind of gave us a good, you know, good feeling. Uh, we rode back to the truck and trailer, loaded them up, drove four hours home. But, like, we felt good. Like, you know, we did a – I'll be honest with you. I think we did a maximum of five miles that entire trip. But uh, <laughs> it was worth it. You know what I mean? And I still I still get goosebumps, you know, the, the, the feelings that I have when I was on the back of that sled. And just to see all the sleds and all the people having fun. And yeah. The snow. It's surreal. It's awesome. So that, that's kind of my story. Anything for you, uh, Rich? Well, nothing from uh, growing up. Even though I grew up in uh, Utica, I just never went riding. My parents never owned sleds. We lived uh, in the city. Uh, we didn't live in the suburbs or out in the country, and that was just something that we never uh, got into. I honestly didn't know until I became meteorologist at Channel 2. I started seeing all these stories and looking around me and I was like, wow, this has been here all this time and slowly started getting into it. And then finally bought uh, first sled in 2002, 2003, right about when Zach was born. And I have had so many great rides with so many great friends and with family. And I've had so many special ones with Zach 
you know, riding with Zach, I mean, I've ridden with Zach thousands upon thousands of miles, and we have so many great memories. Uh, I think probably the best one that I can come up with was the old 92 Safari that we had, and the sled was kind of hesitating. We were on the Deerfield Trails. We were coming up Cruzshank Road up towards the Fish and Game Club, and the sled finally started hesitating uh, to the point to where it just didn't want to go anymore, and boom, the belt was off. And I had to figure out how to change the belt uh, in the middle of the trail on a Wednesday afternoon in March with hardly anybody around. Thankfully, a uh, nice guy in the Polaris did should have called around. Rocco. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, sounds like we both needed Rocco. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, and then we had that. Uh, you know, he helped us. He helped us get it on, and then we continued and put about another forty, you know, forty-five miles on, just bumming around locally through Deerfield and Penn Mountain. But I think just that experience with breaking down on the trail, Zach trying to help me. You know, me learning how to change a belt on the trail for the first time, be, you know, because that was the first real breakdown that I ever had on the trail, you know, was then. And Zach was only like seven or eight at the time. I, you know, that one would probably be it. But out of all the rides, the final ride I took before I moved out west, um, just before I left my TV weather job at Channel 2 in 2005, St. Patrick's Day, Gordy Potter. Some good friends of mine, Tom Ryan, who unfortunately is no longer, you know, with us. He succumbed to cancer a few years ago. Uh, Andy Maurer, uh, a whole bunch of other friends. There were, I think, eight of us, and we did 140 miles. It was perfect conditions, although it was late season and things were starting to melt. Trails were starting to get a little thin, but the clubs kept everything flat. It was just an absolutely perfect day. The camaraderie that we had, we had such a great uh, meal. I think it was up at Salisbury Ridge Runners. Uh, we had hit uh, the, we had hit uh, Forestport. I think that was that was where the ride to. I forgot exactly where the ride was, but I know it was basically between Salisbury and um, and Remsen and Forestport. I think we did everything all you know through there. But it was the last ride that I took until I moved back. And had that aforementioned memory with, uh, you know, with Zachary putting him on the sled for the first time. Uh, it was kind of like almost a rite of passage. And I didn't ride sled, you know, all the time that I was out west, even with the mountains of Utah, you know, nearby. I just couldn't justify the expense with, uh, you know, us being homesick and using that money to come back here to, you know, to upstate New York to visit friends and family. So anyway, that, a little long-winded, but that was kind of my story. It's just a camaraderie, just doing it with friends and with family. There's nothing better. Uh, what are your thoughts on the the Tug Hill Old Forge area in regards to riding? As we can, like, is it is it improving? Is it getting crazy busy? Uh, and how it's changed over you know the twenty or so years that you guys have been on sleds? Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So uh, I mean, I think it's definitely it's definitely getting bigger. The the sport is definitely growing. Um, I think the the crazy um, non winters we've been getting have been. Uh, kind of allocating everyone to kind of the same areas which which is good that they're riding but it gets it gets a little hectic it gets a little crazy um people got to remember like we've all talked about a lot of our favorite memories are with our family especially on the weekend a lot of people are out there with their families and whatnot so make sure you're riding right maybe on the weekends tone it down a little bit the the joey snowcrossers out there um i was a snowcrosser myself i do find myself going a little speed sometimes but in the back of my mind, I always think of the, the families out trying to enjoy their Sunday. You don't want to 
don't want to ruin anybody's memory that they're making. So, but it's definitely, definitely growing with, uh, this great COVID-19 going around. I think it's going to grow more. It did in the off with wheelers and, uh, side by sides. So I think the, the, the sport definitely has a chance to grow, to grow even more. So, I mean, some of the things that I've noticed from what it was and from what it is now is, is the trail conditions obviously have improved greatly. It makes it real easy to kind of get trigger happy with the throttle. The signage has gotten way better. I remember going out when I first started. Now, this isn't long ago. I mean, we're talking 2007, and I had no idea where I was. I had no idea which way I was going, and I was waiting for trail markers, waiting for signs. And, you know, just from 2007, 2008 to, you know, 2019, it was like night and day. You know, the average guy can go out and actually navigate his way around. I think we've come a long way as far as science goes um, and the overall trail conditions. Uh, Maybe a little too good. Yeah. Well, and that's testament to, uh, you know, the clubs. The clubs out there, the volunteers doing their thing. Um, You know, as people know, it's. It's the membership dollars that come in that result in the trail signage. You know, those signs are a couple bucks a piece, plus yeah. plus the wooden stake they're on, um, and then and then the, the volunteer hours to go out and kind of bang them in place and, and keep them in place. So um, that definitely goes it, a long way. It, it's it's evident in my club. It's evident, and I think lots of clubs around the area that um, the the unbelievable volunteerism and the unbelievable understanding of kind of what the sport is and what kind of the general novice rider needs. Um, I think if every club volunteer can go out there and sign a trail to try to get somebody, it's their first or second time uh, on a sled and on the trail to try to find that restaurant or find that landmark, um, that's who you're signing for. You know, you're not signing for, you know, the the, uh, the Kyle Snowcross racer who's been riding in Tug Hill. That's right. <laughs> and, that, and that's the truth. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's cool to hear, you know, you guys see it continue to improve because I see the same thing and, and Rich, I don't know if you have anything to add on that part. No, I do, especially running upstate snow. One of the reasons why I wanted to start it was just because the winters have gotten a lot dicier. Yes, we've had some great winters. I mean, we've had a couple of them in the last eight years to where there was snow and cold everywhere. I think 1415 stands out as the big example of, you know, there was so much cold and snow everywhere. It was almost too cold to ride in the record cold February of 15 for, you know, a lot of days, but there was heavy snow everywhere, and a lot of people were able to ride locally. We had a ton of winters uh, in the 70s where people could ride locally. Then in the 80s, we had that drought, and then it really changed in the winter of 92, 93, right around and just before the blizzard of 93, and then we had banner winters all the way through the rest of the 90s. And then it started getting a little bit more you know up and down we you know we had a few off winters here or there and now they seem to be becoming a little bit more common you factor that in and i think that that's the reason why tug hill and old forge win the day because climatologically they're the coldest part of the state and they climatologically get the most snow in the state so if you get the most snow and if you have the most cold to hold it it stands to reason why these areas have become so busy and so popular uh, you know because obviously they're awesome areas to ride there's many other great areas of the state to ride but they don't have as much cold and snow so from a meteorological standpoint i definitely understand why the traffic has built up so much in those areas and it's definitely a concern especially during the busy times because that element of people 
you know, that just are not paying attention and are not being conscious and you end up with close calls and unfortunately, you know, some accidents due to inexperience or just, um, you know, not not being careful. You put too many people into one place, so you're going to increase the chances for that one percent or one tenth of one percent to happen. And I think that's, you know, and I think the old old forge area and the tug, unfortunately, get a bad rap because of that, because, you know, there's so many people that go up there because they're forced to because of the weather. The other thing that I think is going to be interesting to see this season, and you guys kind of mentioned it with COVID-19, uh, things are going to be completely different this year. I have noticed that it does not matter anymore whether or not it's the weekend. We have been conditioned with so many more people working from home. When you get these big snowstorms on a Tuesday, people aren't going to be waiting until Friday, Saturday to ride them. And we kind of saw a preview of this when we suddenly got cold and snow at the beginning of January after having nothing during the holidays. It was overrun like a weekend on the hill and up in the old forge area on a random Wednesday in January because everyone was so itching to ride. And if we finally had the snow and everyone called in sick, well, how much easier is it going to be to do that now in this day and age after going through the pandemic, so many more people working from home and having that flexibility with their work schedule, kids having flexibility with the distance learning and with the part-time learning on and off, I think you're going to see traffic spread out a lot more. And what I also think is, is that's going to be a benefit kind of answering the first problem. We're going to start spreading people out more, especially if we get a good run of weather that lasts for weeks instead of days. I think we're going to spread people out more in more areas instead of having these huge spikes of traffic destroying, destroying the trails on the weekend and then hardly any riding during the midweek. I truly believe that the days of riding Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and not seeing a soul – I honestly think those days are history. I think you're going to see a lot more people on the trails a lot more consistently, and that, I believe, is actually a good thing. Did you want to offer any weather predictions this year? Um, not really, just because I don't like what I'm seeing right now. <laughs> I'm just being, we, don't, we don't want to hear it then. I, I, yeah. Yes, I know you don't want to hear it, and, yeah. but, you know, but you know if I – but you know if you ask, I'm, 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 going to be, I'm going to be honest about it. We just um, the La Nina concerns me when El Nino or La Nina get too strong, when they get past a certain point and they are getting out of control, then the jet stream just goes nuts. When El Nino goes nuts and is full on, the southern jet stream gets going and it gets so warm in the east and the southern track of the jet stream makes all these really wet systems which, you know, and by wet, I mean a lot more moisture content than you normally would have because it's coming from a more southerly place. So if you get the cold, you get some colossal snowfalls. Blizzard of 66 fell in an El Nino. We've had some top tenders that have fallen during El Nino years. But more often than not, the warmth wins. And as we know, with snowmobiling, you really truly need the cold as much as you need the snow. You need to freeze things down so the trail conditions will hold. You need to build up that base and ice up that base. Yes, freeze-thaw cycles are good, but you really need that back and forth. La Nina, you get the northern branch of the jet stream going too crazy, and then you just can't get the cold air in here from Canada. 
or you just get indirect shots of it. You may get a lot of clippers, and the clippers may have some beef to them, but the cold temperatures may be the issue. So just a brief synopsis of 2021. We're getting towards the end of the evening here for us, and I guess I kind of would love to close it with the KDK guys. Just kind of tell us about what's going on in their shop, uh, what type of incentives or rebates are going on with Skidoo and or uh, any uh, you know of your other motorsports products, um, and tell us about the services that Rocco's providing and your father. Uh, we just want to know what's going on. Uh, Tabor Road, we know it's happening. Tabor Road in Rome, KDK Sports is killing it right now. So uh, tell us what's tell us what's going on down there. I can't say it now. Pre preseason services, you can't wait. Everyone likes to wait until first snowfall to get their sleds into. Maybe not just us, but their dealerships don't do that. You got to get them in now. Now is the best time to get your sled in for that preseason service. So you get it back. It's in your trailer. It's in your garage. It's ready to ride that first snowfall. Last thing you want to be doing is bugging your dealer for your sled back because you just dropped it off last week. It's not going to happen. Get your sleds in as early as possible. Yeah, so just to add on, Rocco, obviously, there's undercover. Um, on this sales end, um, new sleds are flying out of there. Um, new sales haven't picked up crazy yet. They're starting to trickle out. Um, I think we need that that first snowfall to really get someone excited. Um, but like it's nothing hasn't been a problem selling anything lately. Um, so they they have had decreasing rebates. As much as I want to tell you that the rebates uh, have been getting better, that's that's not the case this year. So if you're definitely ready to pull the trigger on a couple uh, 2020s you got left. Inventory right now to drive them promos up. You know, right. People, they, they want the best deal they can get. You get it. And those are typically after a slow season. Last year's sled sales were actually up. So there's not a lot of leftovers out there that dealers are sitting on. And then the leftovers, they do have sales. So if you're that guy looking for a deal, again, you can't wait because you're going to be out. You're going to be looking at, you know, 2021s. The 2020s are just about believe it or not. I know my uh, my wife and I will be in to stock up on some oil and some carbides and all the, uh, the necessary preseason items, just like everybody else should. Um, your location in Rome there is convenient to get in and out, and I absolutely love it. So I, I also can't thank you guys enough for kind of embarking in this membership journey with us. Um, as as we preach almost every week on this podcast, I preach weekly on Facebook. Um, joining snowmobile clubs and joining where you ride is so important. Uh, and one thing we like to do to kind of add incentive and add value to the Southern Tug Hill Snow Riders membership is provide somebody almost like a free raffle ticket and. Uh, KDK Sports kind of jumped head first in with us. Uh, can't say enough about them, but this year, uh, if you join the Southern Tuggle Snow Riders before that first Friday in December, you're going to be automatically in the running to to win an oxygen helmet, a tech vest, and a handful of other prizes. I mean, we're talking thousands of dollars in gear um, that's being donated by KDK. So um, STH can't say enough about KDK. Uh, they're doing the right things by the sport. They're, they're putting their money where the mouth is. You know, uh, so thank you, Kyle. Thank you, Frank. Thank you, Rocco, for in the snowmobile clubs and working so closely together. And honestly, there's going to be a handful of snowmobile people out there, friends, family, uh, just general members that are really going to benefit from joining the STH this year. So thank you guys so much. Listen, thank That's, you for doing what you guys do for us, too. Yeah, absolutely. We we appreciate the love. And just to juice up that uh, that incentive, we're going to throw uh, 
a gallon of synthetic oil for for each winter so we'll juice awesome. it up a little bit more that. Jeez, that, that's that's 50 60 bucks nowadays so it can't be oh that. yeah it's not it's not cheap not going Trust me, yeah, especially in those 05 skidoos, uh, <laughs> the, the oil adds up quick. <laughs> Make, yeah, they're, making they're me thirsty. think about a four-stroke one day. <laughs> hey, you got to remember, too, guys, we, we, we sell bulk oil, so if you got your empty gallon container, bring it in, you're going to save almost 10 bucks a gallon. So that, That's a great point. That's a great point. Somebody, yeah. somebody actually, it's up to, to 12, or, 12 or 14 dollars this year. Honest to God, we got guys that bring in five-gallon containers, and you know they buy it, they buy it in the bulk. That's where you save. There's no excuse. It's the end of October when this podcast is being recorded. Get your sleds in now. The snow will come. The cold will come. How much and how long yet remains to be seen. But when it shows up, you don't want to be on the sidelines. Get in the queue. Get in line now. Get your sleds in now. Get your gear now. KDK, the place to go in Rome. Join STH, join where you ride. This is what we preach. We're going to continue to preach that every week with all our guests uh, on the podcast. And once again, uh, thank you guys so much for uh, being a great family business, uh, Kyle, Rocco, and giving back to the community and for your partnership with the clubs. And Chris Rink, you're awesome as always. We'll look forward to Guide to Your Ride and lots of other great stuff coming up this uh, snowmobile season to come. Thanks so much, guys. Have a great night. Thank you, you too. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it all. Thanks for listening to the Trail Talk Podcast. For more podcasts, weather information, and snowmobile information, visit upstatesnow.com.